I'm looking at the business as a vehicle for my own personal growth and my own, and in some ways, spiritual growth, because it's allowing me to overcome these challenges that I've never had to in the past. And that's always going to take us to the next level. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau, the podcast for corporate refugees who want to do more of what they love and get paid what they're worth. I'm David Schreiner-Khan, your guide and community builder. Smashing the Plateau is more than just a podcast. We're a community of like-minded consultants who are committed to supporting one another on our business journey. Before we start, I'd like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. Struggling with achieving your business goals and navigating through challenges can be overwhelming, but here's a solution. Visit smashingtheplateau.com slash goals to book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me. This one-on-one session offers a unique opportunity for you to gain clarity on your business aspirations, identify roadblocks hindering your progress, and outline practical steps toward achieving your goals. It's personalized, focused, and designed to equip you with the insights to drive your business forward. It's a limited time offer, so seize the moment. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash goals. Today, I'm excited to introduce our guest, sales and marketing consultant, Sarah Murray. Sarah is an inspiring figure in the entrepreneurial world, having successfully transitioned from a corporate sales career to running her own flourishing business. In this enlightening episode, Sarah will be sharing her experiences and insights on a range of topics, including the importance of developing business strategies, the power of accountability, and the role of community in business success. Sarah will also delve into her unique business model and how she leverages her expertise in sales to influence others. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or just starting out, this conversation promises to be an invaluable resource packed with practical tips and inspiring stories. So get ready to take notes. Now let's welcome Sarah Murray. Sarah is an advisor, consultant, and speaker working with leaders and sales teams to unlock the untapped potential in their prospecting and business development efforts. With a focus on construction, real estate, hospitality, design, and technology industries, Sarah empowers professionals to enhance their communication skills, approach prospecting creatively, and effectively address business needs rather than simply push products. As the host of the popular podcast, Prospecting on Purpose, Sarah provides a valuable platform for discussions on prospecting, sales, business strategies, and mindset leaving listeners with tangible takeaways and increased confidence. Sarah, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much for having me and thank you for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, First of all, sales is probably the biggest issue for corporate refugees. So I know we're going to talk a lot about that. But before we do, I want to actually start by just exploring a little bit about who you are in your own career journey. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I am a corporate refugee uh, leaving corporate after 16 years. So I've always been in the construction industry, specifically in a sales capacity. If you've ever looked at how how we build buildings in, in the world, it takes many years. It takes hundreds of decision makers. It's a very, very complex sales process. And I've been employed by three different companies in national roles covering the United States and Canada and in most cases where 
My responsibility is to do true business development, generate demand for our products, sell the product, and then create repeat business from those clients. So I've always had pretty heavily focused on prospecting, hunting for new business, opening new doors. And a big part of my decision to leave and start my own business is I find that there's this gap in resources available out there where the very, very beginning part of the sales process is difficult. It's it's difficult to go out and stand in front of someone and not only demonstrate that they may need a missing piece that you can offer, but then proving to them that you're the right person to solve that problem for them. And I've built a lot of skills in my corporate experience with some really great mentors, along with really complex sales channels that I've figured out how to go out and present this to people in a way that's digestible, in a way that's not scary. So that's what I've been doing for the past year. I just hit my one year mark and it's it's been really fun. It's I am starting to see that feedback that people do struggle in this area and it feels it feels really fulfilling to be able to provide a resource for this bucket of business development. Sarah, do you think the first step in sales is one of the hardest? I do. I do. Yes. And I think it's a really neglected area because if you don't have a relationship or the ability to build relationships, that doesn't really show itself as a problem until the very end of the sales cycle, where all of a sudden you're competing on pricing or you didn't talk to the right decision makers because you didn't ask the right questions. And one thing that I have really found in my experience is, especially if you're selling a product, it's usually not the competitive product that is your competitor. It's the relationship that the competitive salesperson has with your ideal client. And so this this ability to build and maintain relationships is something that's a soft skill. It's not taught very often. And it's crucial to the success of getting that, that project over the finish line. Right. And it also sounds like you learned this during your work, that it wasn't something you were taught before you started any of your jobs. Absolutely. I always joke, my, my mom worked for Delta Airlines. So growing up, we never sat together on the plane because we were always filling the empty seats on the plane. As a Delta perk, you would fly for free as a family. And I always joke that my my beginning of sales or my love of sales started on the airplanes as a little kid, asking the person next to me, hey, are you going to eat your bag of chips? And then I'd either, <laughs> I'd either like get a free bag of chips or they'd say no, and they were going to eat their chips, but it nothing bad happened to me if I asked and I didn't get the chips. Usually, it was just like an icebreaker to open the door to a conversation. But absolutely, the experience that I got in corporate, I think has proven my point. I felt like I tested the hypothesis enough in my corporate environment to now go out and package it and and promote it in a way that I I feel is digestible for people that are fearful about sales or just find themselves in sales, whether that was their intention or not. And definitely a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs end up being their own salesperson. And it's not something that, that comes naturally, especially if your corporate career didn't have you in a sales capacity. Right. And, and actually... I argue that even somebody who was in sales or marketing in their corporate capacity, when they have to market and sell themselves, it is a very different feeling. Oh, I am in it right now. And I know exactly (laughs) what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. So talk to me about that. Okay. I think one of the things that has 
surprised me. The difference between selling a product with a with a company that's known or not known, you know, you have an entity behind you and a product or a software or a service that you're going out to sell. You're essentially a representative of that organization. When you're selling yourself, you're you're literally selling yourself and a lot of what you're going out to sell you've never done before. So you don't know yet what types of objections you're going to get. You know, it's more difficult to prepare for something that is essentially unknown. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get yet. And that's part of, I think, if one of the tactics to improve or get over that fear of having to sell yourself is if you can look at every type of objection that you get as a gift to finesse and improve for the next time, or every every sticker shock that you give someone or every time you you tell a number and you wish you gave a higher number, you know, all of these different uh, opportunities can be looked at as gifts because that's going to get you closer and closer to really narrowing it down and massaging that messaging. And it gives you that opportunity to really grow from there. So I'm trying to look at this as a really interesting learning experience because it's making my career a lot more interesting. I'm going out and saying I'm a sales expert there's some big mindset stuff you have to work on when you're getting no's from people or if you get ghosted by a prospect. It's a different type of, I think, mental strength you have to have to be able to keep getting back up and going for it. And if you can look at it as gifts, that's one way that that really helps me. Right. So just you're, you're adding data points to your database. Exactly. Like one, like some, and some data points we can get into as examples. I like to use scripts that work for me. So I'm a lot more confident when I'm presenting a number. You know, I'm able to say, hey, da, 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 da. you know, you go through the pain points, you understand which stories really resonate and address their pain points. And then, oh, the investment cost is this. You know, I'm really careful with my language on how I present, but that takes practice. And when you biff it, when you mess up, you just have to look at it as, okay, I'm not going to use that language next time <laughs> and just try to not kick yourself and just use that as a learning experience. Yeah. I've seen that happen. I've experienced it myself. And it's like, oh yeah, this prospect would have made a really good client, but I messed it up by using the wrong pricing formula mm -hmm. or using the wrong story or misjudging why the prospect wanted this particular kind of solution. And it's not going to go forward. And yes, it's disappointing. And and yes, the sale would have been nice for the bank account. But um, I guess we're going to have to fill that gap in the bank account some other way. Yeah. And I, I have... One thing that has been really helping me in my business is obviously taking one step at a time. And I've been trying a lot of things somewhat fairly, I'm pretty intentional. So my business growth has been a little bit slower than I would like it to be. But I know it's because I'm I'm kind of marching down four paths right now because I want to build a business that serves my clients, but also serves the life that I want to build for myself. And a big part of that is just exploring and piloting different projects. But what I've noticed is once I've take an action and launch something or tried something, I can almost always look back and count the breadcrumbs and understand, okay, this led me here. If I didn't do this 
free digital event, I wouldn't have met this person who then led me to this deal. Or if I get a if I get an opportunity in my lap, it's a lot easier to be open to the opportunities if I don't have a narrow vision of what my business looks like. If I can be more open to kind of going with the flow and following the opportunities and the relationships as the dots get connected, it's been a lot more fun for me. And it's opened a lot of doors and potential sales channels that I would have never thought of on my own. I just needed to take the steps and do the action and be open to those possibilities. And my business model keeps shifting in ways that is more fulfilling for me, more potential revenue growth, and more flexibility and freedom, which is, I think, what most of us want when we start our own businesses. Sarah, do you spend time documenting those processes with the different tracks and and what has led to what? Or, or is it something that you internalize and then utilize in the future? I do. So I have something and I, I teach this in my workshops as well. But when you're looking at a sales goal, for example, and you taught me this, David, the difference between goals and objectives, right? So let's say I'm just going to use some numbers. Let's say you have a sales goal of a million dollars. I always look at what are my big rocks that are going to get me to that goal. And a big rock can be a client. It can be a project that you're doing. It can be, you know, like a web, like a a project from a sales capacity or a project from let's revamp our website, you know? So I look at my big rocks and then what are the biggest three big rocks each quarter that moves me to that overall goal. So I chunk it down and then I do measure the results. And I had a mentor years ago tell me any any money that we spend, you have to track sales generating activity from it. And if you don't make any money off of an event, that's fine, but we're not going to do it again next year. And so I had a boss that was very, you know, allowed me to be autonomous, but I had to prove all of the company money I was spending came back in some form factor. And that personally was a wonderful habit that I see most of my clients are not deploying in their businesses, not deploying with their sales teams. And some of it came from just like one of the products that I sold was a bioethanol fire feature. So picture like a, like a 16, 18 inch fire element, like a stainless steel box that had flammable liquid in it. And it was so difficult to transport because it was hot and it was full of flammable liquid. So I'm going through downtown LA. I pay 40 bucks to park. I get to my meeting. Somebody no shows my meeting. I was just lighting that fire in the lobby and letting people come to me and talk about it because I refused to leave that meeting without a project or without business development activity. So that I think has really helped me because then you can look back and say, oh yeah, I would do that trade show again because I met this person, this person, this person. Oh yeah, I would do that live event again because it got me these three contacts and it gave me an idea for something I would have never thought of before. So I think it is good practice to measure it. Um, I use it in a like a PowerPoint document. I print out my big rocks and I put it on my wall and then it just keeps me on track and holds me accountable, which I need because I don't have a boss holding me accountable anymore. I'm my own boss. And that external accountability, I'm sure is something I'm learning, I'm struggling with. And I'm sure your audience probably has has gone through that as well. Yeah. The the internal accountability is one of the hardest things to do. And even one of the core activities that we provide in our community is structured accountability because it is so hard to do that. And I see even for people that have demonstrated their commitment to improving their accountability by 
paying to be part of something that is structured and by showing up and doing the exercises and completing whatever data sheets we set out, they still have lots of occasions when they miss the mark, but they're trying to improve and they realize how important that structure is. Because even though we have left the corporate structure, the more structured we are in our own businesses, the more we're going to succeed. And and that's an area of processes is not something that I've really had to build in the past before in this type of way. And so this is a new skill that I'm learning and it's not coming naturally to me, which is okay. So I'm able to outsource support. I'm able to outsource help. I know it's not my zone of genius. So I have a list of items that I want to get support on in my business as it continues to grow. And getting a little bit more systematized is a big one part of my, it's a big rock for 2024. Yeah. So how do you figure out where you want to get that kind of support, how to find the best help, you know, particularly if we come out of a big corporate environment Mm -hmm. where hiring a consultant or even hiring a staff person may incur numbers that end in a lot of zeros Mm -hmm. Compared to the total revenue for the organization, one person, one hire or one consultant is a relatively small number. Mm-hmm. So the risk of getting it wrong financially is very different than when you're a solopreneur. If you hire the wrong consultant or you invest in the wrong growth program, it can actually be a big nut. Mm-hmm. I have two comments on that. So the first is I do invest in programs and because I need that external accountability, number one, I I like that. It works for me. If I spent the money, if I have to show up for certain calls, if I have to show up for other people, you know, I never want to not do my homework type of a, that was the kind of student that I was. So if somebody else is depending on me, it helps me show up for myself really but but it just kind of gives you that structure to do so that's a really big piece another piece with outsourcing these types of programs is it really collapses time and i am all about collapsing time so if you can find ways to look back and measure you know the roi from any type of investment even if it may just be a contact that you met that changes the course of where your business goes that's that's where you start to measure those results because then it's going to help you sleep better at night. Like, oh, I just spent 20 grand on that program. It's like, well, you know what? I got this, this, and this out of that program. And I met these three people. So in the long run, would I do it again? Maybe it's a no, but at least you learn from it. And it, and it might just ease your, <laughs> ease the, uh, you know, the uncomfortability of spending that money if you don't get the return on it. Sarah, can you, you talk a little bit about how you decided which business model to pursue? Sure. Yeah. So I had, um, you know, I read this book called Designing Your Life or Design Your Life. Have you heard of it, David? Who's the author? It's uh, Bill Burnett and David Evans. And they had this book. So when I worked in corporate, I bought the book. And the premise of the book was, 
You know, we spend all this time learning and investing in skills for work, but not a lot of people sit down and actually design what they want their life to look like. And in that book, you had to keep a journal. We didn't have to, but I did the homework. So you would document your day and you would write down, you know, the different activities that you did for your day. And you had to pay attention to how was your energy level? How energized were you doing that activity? What was your engagement? How engaged were you in the work? And then where were you in flow? And I've really loved my sales career. But when I think about the areas where I'm in flow, it's helping other people, you know, presenting in a way where people can learn something from them. I've been really exploring in my business. And that's what this book encourages you to do. I think think they call it pilot programs or beta programs where you just go out and try stuff and document where you're engaged, where you're energized and where you're in flow. So I'm working. I know this is the, the dream. It's not there yet, but I'm working to design a business where I am mostly doing activities that are energizing and engaging and in flow, because that's how I show up, I think, as my best self and and people can tell. And then ideally outsource all the areas that I dislike (laughs) where I'm not engaged and I'm not and I'm not energized. And a lot of that is more of the accounting (laughs) operations, like some of the back end stuff. I'm like, I don't want to figure out how to get this Zoom webinar to connect to this email correspondence. Like I need to outsource that support because that's not my zone of genius. And instead focus on the areas where it's really energizing me and, and bringing me in flow. And Right now, a lot of that has been hosting workshops for teams. That has been something that has been um, really just uh, filling my cup in a way I wasn't expecting. So I want to double down and do more of that because I'm getting energized out of it. And then the, the participants, the audience members, the clients, they're getting so much value out of it because we're breaking down really tough stuff that nobody's really... In my experience that I have seen, nobody's really broken it down before. So that has been a very fun... I have a podcast too as part of my business and getting feedback from the podcast listeners, people I don't even know saying how I've helped them in their careers. That has been so rewarding. And um, that's where I really want to focus my energy more on because it's filling up my cup so much. Yeah, I actually have not heard of this particular book. I will check it out. I have read others like it and, uh, and also try to follow a very similar kind of strategy because if for many people, they leave corporate because they're sick of the constraints and and or the politics and or the people and then they go out on their own and you know particularly if they're successful building a business that becomes sustainable one stage they often go through is they get to the point where the business is supporting their lifestyle but it's not really the business that they had dreamed of mm-hmm. and they end up feeling like rather than them running the business, the business is running them. And they end up, even though they've left the bad boss behind in corporate, they have now acquired a new bad boss who they can't fire because it's themselves. And that's what I'm afraid of. So I feel like, (laughs) so I I feel like even though I'm not as financially where I want to be yet in my business, I'm okay with it because I feel like I'm doing, I'm building this, you know, be the tortoise, not the hare. Like you say, like I'm building this in a way where it's sustainable and it's sustainable in things that really light me up. And that I know that's everyone's goal. And that's really what I'm focusing on achieving in the business. 
Yeah, no, that, that's great. Before we close out, Sarah, I wonder if you could just share a little bit. I, I know we've touched on some of this a little bit, but what your experience has been either as a community member or in leadership roles in community. I think one of the things that has really surprised me with this experience is that my community, I, I feel like one of the reasons why I was so confident in resigning and starting my own business is that I had such a big safety net of people in my network that I've worked with throughout my different careers, clients that I've worked with, friends that are now in roles that are relevant to hire me. I have such a safety net of my own network, whether that's personal or professional. I think a lot of times they're blended as one. It's surprising me how much I've had to lean on these people. But one thing that's been really cool and exciting is that I've been able to now talk to people I haven't talked to in 10 years. I called my old boss who I hadn't worked with I haven't chatted with in seven years. And I was a little anxious because I hadn't maintained that relationship. And it was like, no time had passed. He knew me so well. I was able to say, Hey, I'm struggling with this deal. Can can we not talk through it with you? And I've started to find, you know, David, earlier we were chatting about where to invest money. When people offer to help you, I say yes all the time. <laughs> and I think, you know, and, and you think about it well, on the flip side, when I offer to help people at, at no cost to them, and they don't take me up on it. I'm like, okay, you're lost. You know, I was happy to help you. And so when people offer, they're not offering if they don't genuinely mean it. So I think that's one thing where I've had to lean on people for help a lot more than I ever have in my life. And that is very uncomfortable asking for help, accepting help. Like it's uncomfortable, but it's forming these relationships in such a stronger way. So I think that you already, everyone already has a big network of community. I was just getting over the fear of chatting with someone that maybe you haven't talked to in 10 years. And they're usually so happy to talk to you and so happy to help you. That is actually such a great insight. Yes, the fear of getting help has a lot to do with what's going on inside us. It's taken a lot more mental mindset strength than I was expecting. But I feel like that's a big part of building the business. I'm looking at the business as a vehicle for my own personal growth and my own, you know, and in some ways spiritual growth, because it's allowing me to overcome these challenges that I've never had to in the past. And that's always going to take us to the next level if we can look at this as all growth and, and personal development opportunities. Sarah, we've covered a lot in a short amount of time. And you have such deep expertise in your own discipline. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access any resources that you may have or get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? I hang out on LinkedIn a lot. So LinkedIn, of course, I know we're all on LinkedIn of Sarah Murray. I do have a podcast that's a free resource and it is pretty heavy on business development, sales, prospecting. We have great guests. Um, You have been a guest on the show, so I can vouch. We have wonderful guests, but a lot of it is very tangible, tactical ways. We put scripts in, we talk about the how-tos, 
storytelling versus pushing product, how to close deals. Like it's pretty, it's a pretty heavy sales lens, but it's going to help you in any type of role where you have to influence another person. So that podcast is a great resource. It's called Prospecting on Purpose. It can be found anywhere where you listen to podcasts. There's now a YouTube element. So you have to, you know, I have to look cute on all the recordings because it's on the internet now, but you can watch it on YouTube. But Prospecting on Purpose is a great free resource. And then I once a quarter host a free workshop called Prospecting on Purpose Live. Uh, The next one is November 3rd, 2023. So it may be after this episode airs, but January 2024, we're going to launch like a kickstart the new year. And you can sign up to be notified at connect.sarahmurray.com. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been sales and marketing consultant, Sarah Murray. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you, David. Appreciate all the resources you're giving out to the group. Remember, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean going it alone. Our community is here to support you, inspire you, and walk with you on your journey. Don't forget to visit smashingtheplateau.com slash goals and book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me, David Schreiner-Khan. It's an opportunity to gain clarity, identify obstacles, and create a solid action plan toward achieving your business aspirations. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash goals. Join us next time for more wisdom from industry leaders. Until then, keep striving, keep believing, and keep smashing.